Umkit Industries proudly presents the Dixie Stenberg and Brassy Battalion Adventure Theater, a pendant production. In the autumn of 1944, President Franklin D. Roosevelt's clandestine squadron of P-47 Thunderbolts struggled in their mission to defend the free world from Nazi villainy. This squadron was known as Brassy Battalion, and this is their story. Tonight's episode, The Rumble in the Jungle. When we last left our heroes, Brassy Battalion had just gotten the news that Volker was liberated from prison. Free, 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 I'm totally free. I'm liberated from prison and I am totally free. But the news was not all bad, as the ladies of LaRue assisted Brassy Battalion with a myriad of deeds. We can do anything. Better than anyone. Whatever you say. It should be whatever I say. That too. I love it when we all get along. I'm sorry, what? Hello, Daisy dear, are you in? In? You're out. Ugh, she's hopeless. Sorry? She's charming. Isn't she charming? So very charming. What? I was watching the birds. Do you ever pay attention? Birds? (laughs) Isn't she just darling? Oh, Yes, very. Can we just get back to work so we can finish already? You know, somebody's gonna need to help me do my nails. We just did that. That was yesterday. What? I'm supposed to keep the same color two days in a row. (laughs) Please. You dames are, uh, you're something. Aren't we just? Yes, they are. Just. Meanwhile, Dixie and Freudenberg combed the nearby jungle in search of the missing Thomas Galen. I tell you, Freudenberg, I've got half a mind to ground Tommy permanently. I think Zeta Squad already took care of that. You know what I mean. He's been shot down twice, and twice I've had to go in and search for his keister and bring him back home. Perhaps it is a coincidence or something beyond his control. Or maybe he was flying sloppy. He's always been too by the book, too stiff and uptight. Besides... I could fly his plane and get back in the air. That is what this is about, Miss Dixie. There's no need to worry. Repairs on your plane near completion. It sure took long enough. Well, it had been submerged in oceany, briny waters. We're lucky it will fly again at all. Yeah. You always did know your way around a wrench. Hmm. Of course, the only reason it was deep-sixed in the first place is because you were shot down. What? Now, Miss Dixie, please understand I mean no disrespect. I merely mean to indicate how it can happen to anyone. Law is a dangerous business. Yeah, well, I suppose you're right. But so is love. What? Uh, you have feelings for Thomas. What, what, what? You take that back. It may not be obvious to the others, I do not know. I cannot speak for them. But I have a romantic heart. What I see in you, what I feel in myself. I ain't never had no feelings for nobody. I don't need anybody, least of all a man. That is not at all what I am implying, and I am thinking you are a little too worried about Thomas to be thinking clearly. What? You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> now you listen to me, pal. Dixie Stenberg ain't never needed anyone for anything. So what about us then, huh? Your friends? Your compatriots? You have no need for us? Wait, n- no. W- wait, that's not what I meant. You're twisting... What about Frank, who is like a father to you? What of myself? I thought of you like the big sister I never had. I care for you very deeply, Miss Dixie. 
but I respect you more than you can know. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry. I just... I don't know what way is up anymore. I don't want to talk about it. Sadly, that doesn't mean you do not need to. I remember the last thing you didn't want to talk about. What are you getting at? Back in California, Frank once mentioned something about, uh, Francie, was it? Now why do you have to go and bring her into this? It just seems you might have some unresolved feelings you're not dealing with. Oh. I guess Freud is in your name for a reason, huh? Well, sometimes a name is just a name. So what was it Frank said now? Something about a camping trip? Why do you care? Because I care about you, Miss Dixie. And I think somehow it might all be tangled up together in a mess with everything else. I would like to help you find the way out. Everyone has their own messes to untangle. All too often, we can better see how to untangle our friends than ourselves. <sighs> we gotta go find Tommy. Yeah, and we will. But it is not often we have such a quiet moment to talk. There's so much going on at the airfield. Please understand, I wouldn't keep anything you would care to share in the strictest of confidence. <sighs> you tell anyone. What I say to you here in this truck, and I'll piece your pie hole across the road. Got it? My lips are sealed. Here goes. And now, a word from our sponsor, Umkid Industries, Captain of Radio. Did you say the Captain of Radio? Indeed, I did, sir. For the radio to be where it's happening, get up and go meet the radio's captain. Well, let's get him on in here. We can't, really. I must speak with this good man. What you don't know a is... Captain, right here in our own studio. It's not a who so much as... And the radio. A captain of radio on the radio? Can you believe it? But that's what I'm trying to tell you, sir. Is it, sir? It is, sir. Well, then please do, sir. All right, sir. You see, my friends, the captain of radio is a radio. How could I have forgotten the Umkin Industries captain of radio, radio? How indeed. Perhaps you just don't love Umket like you used to. <gasps> well, what else is a fine, upstanding fellow like myself supposed to think, I wonder? You take that back! I will not. Isn't there any way? Well... Yes? Yes? Well, perhaps if you were to educate our listeners on the merits of the captain of radio, I may be persuaded. You've got yourself a deal! Yes, folks, soon you'll be able to walk into your Unkit Industries Captain of Radio store. The, the captain of the radio, always never a bore. He's so very clever that he's got a store. Yes, a radio so fine, it has its own stores. And soon you'll be able to walk into those stores and confidently buy the style of radio or radio phonograph you want. You can buy what you want. Only Umket Industries gives you such freedom. And freedom is American. And in this store, your selection of Captain of Radio styles will be complete. Even with the famous Captain of Radio exclusive features? Yes, but don't take my word for it. Hello, I am the Dean. Of learning. Of many a mainstay of higher education. Yes, that's me. And I'm here to tell you, if you go to your Umkit Industries Captain of Radio store, you will find the full line of Captain of Radio exclusive features on the radios therein. Amazing! You'll find the Slide Away feature that makes loading and unloading a record so easy. It slides away. 
And you'll find the foolproof Captain of Radio Automatic Record Changer. Foolproof? That means even I can use it. And how? Slide away in foolproof, don't you know? The captain of the radio's the only way to go. There will be consoles and table models, and newly designed cabinets of fine woods, and only the most modern plastics. I hate unfine wood. And don't get me started on those old-timey plastics. I won't have it. There will be farm sets and portables in many styles and sizes. Farm sets? Don't question him. He's the dean. Quite right. You will also find the Captain Phantom. It's a camera-type radio that operates on alternating current, direct current, or self-contained batteries. Captain Phantom, he's your man. If he can't do it, no one can. AC. DC. Self-contained battery. But all self-contained batteries, direct current. Do not question the Dean. I was just saying. Why, you'll also find new electronic refinements in AM, FM, and shortwave reception. Electronic refinements? I'm so... Yes, with true captain of radio quality that you can only get from Umket Industries. So whatever you want in radio, you'll find in a captain of radio, radio. The captain of radio is America's smart set. You can get a very good idea of what the captain of radio will offer if you'll write for the new, free, full-color booklet entitled, It's a Promise. A promise from the captain of radio. And it may just have the Umket triplets posed ever so tastefully, conservatively, seductively on the cover. Just write your name and address on a penny postcard. And mail it to the captain of radio care of this radio station. And that's all. We now rejoin our program as the search for Thomas Galen continues through the Mexican wilderness. And Dixie was about to reveal her innermost feelings. And that's it? What more do you want? Could it be? Did we miss the entire discussion during the advertisement? Say it isn't so. It ain't so. All I said was, these seats are uncomfortable. Oh, I thought we'd missed Dixie's big revelation. We wouldn't skip over that. Give us a little credit, will you? Thank heavens. So I guess I should get on with it then. These seats are really uncomfortable, though. Yeah, yeah, I'll get on that as soon as we get back. Yeah, so anyways, um, Francie is Frank's niece. Uh, They named her after him. Ain't that nice? An honor, I am sure. Yeah. So, she and I met at school. She was all dainty, like, kind of like Lily's cousins, and I never went in for all that frou-frou stuff, but that didn't stop us from being best friends. I should suspect not. You are as fair and fine a person as I have ever met. Would you let no prejudices color your actions? Yeah, well, that's swell of you to say. So, she wanted to go to this dance at school. Oh, yeah, I remember the story. Frank told us when he first took us to the Belly Deep. Your date stood you up, and on behalf of all men everywhere, may I apologize for the hurtful way in which you were treated. Uh, don't go being all gentlemanly. You're going to make me feel worse than I already do for tossing you up against the side of the truck. I am used to your fire, shall we say. No harm done. Please, continue. Yeah, well, I wasn't stood up. It doesn't seem like Frank to lie. No, he wouldn't. And he didn't. At least as far as he knows. So, but it really happened. I never had a date in the first place. I only agreed to go to the dance at all because it meant so much to Francie, but 
none of the boys asked me. Nah, impossible. It's true, I tell ya. Most guys ain't that interested in a girl who would rather put an engine together than wear a fancy dress, you know? Uh, no. I don't know. I see the appeal of both. And especially of girls who put engines together while wearing fancy dresses. I'm back. Yeah, well, Francie was so embarrassed, she made up the story about how I was stood up. She was worried about how you'd be treated if you went without a date? It ain't like today, where that's more accepted. You gotta realize, this is back in the early 30s. Ah, so long ago, it feels like a different time. Yeah, like 15 years ago. Anyway, she was worried about how I'd make her look, mostly. She was really caught up in the whole social shebang, you know, and I never went in for that. I couldn't give a rat's behind about what those knuckleheads thought of me, but Francie did. And she was your friend, so you went along with it. Yeah, so look, there's this camping trip, right? We told our parents that it was going to be a girls-only thing, but Francie secretly invited some boys up there with us, and we were going to play spin the bottle and... Innocent stuff, really, but she was sure that the boys would go for me if I just let out my softer side. Not that I cared any, but I humored her. Of course. So she did up my hair and loaned me some of her clothes, and... You got a vow of silence on this stuff, right? My bird is my bond to you, Miss Dixie. Yeah, well, you especially don't tell anyone this part. But it wasn't half bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, laugh it up, mechanic boy. So... She got my hopes all up, right? And so we go, and the guys get there, and everything seems to be going well enough, I suppose. But then... Spin the bottle. On my turn, every guy it landed on just got up and left. All dolled up, and they still knew who I was on the inside, and that... I don't know. Repulsed them, I guess. You threatened them, more likely. What do you mean? Well, you know how society is. It expects certain things from men and women. And when people don't fit into these molds, it frightens people. They don't know how to deal with it. Like a German who ain't a Nazi? Like a woman not interested in being overly feminine. Maybe. You are true to yourself, and that is what's important. If people are too close-minded to accept that you like engines and machinery and flying planes, then they are not worth your time in the first place. Thanks, Freudenberg. That's it, then? Actually, it gets worse. After there were no guys left sitting in the circle, they all just stood there laughing at me, and there was this one boy, George Wilkins. The one you liked? The one that Francie liked. And she wanted him to like her so desperately, and was so worried about what everyone else thought of her as she joined in. One forgot to think about what you would think of her. Or what she'd think of herself. She ran off with the boys, had her fun, and I just went home. Alone. She tried to apologize to me after. I I could see the shame in her eyes, but I couldn't trust her anymore. And today I lost her. Does the boss know about all this? No, Frank's a big softy on the inside. This would tear him up. Francie married George Wilkins, and they moved to Albuquerque. Frank says they've got three kids now. The distance between us was reason enough for not talking to her. Was that telephones, mail, trains, airplanes? Yeah, I know. But I was always too busy testing the new aircraft with Frank. Get it? 
This clearly still hurts you. You're perceptive. Pain recognizes pain. What happened with you and Lily anyway? After she was shot down in your attack on the castle in Germany, I began to worry. And after you were shot down in your attack on the marine base, I began to fret. And I was worried. Too worried. Once everyone was home safely, I... I asked her not to fly. You asked her to resign? It was foolish, I know, but love makes us do foolish things. I regret it. One day I hope she will know this. One day I hope she will let me make it up to her. That was a pretty stupid thing to do. Yeah, and I am ashamed, but I am human and make mistakes. Yeah, well, I forgive you. Maybe Lily will too. Well, if you can forgive me, if you think Miss Lily might forgive me, perhaps you could forgive Francie. I don't know. I loved her. Really loved her, you know? And she betrayed me. Miss Lily loved me, of that I am sure, and I have no doubt she saw my actions the same way you see Francie's. Yeah, well, anyway, now you know. Now you know why I keep everyone at arm's length, and why... Despite what you see as me having feelings for Tommy, there ain't nothing there. Miss Dixie, we are alone and under strict non-disclosure, remember. <sighs> I can't stop thinking about him. Nor I about Lily. Yeah, well, she's with Tommy now. Another problem we both have. A stuffy Brit like him could never go for a boot-wearing, plane-flying grease monkey like me. I ain't your typical girl. Besides, I don't think I could risk going through that kind of pain again. As Dixie and Frydenberg drove on in silence, the truck came around a bend in the forest to reveal a gleaming brass plane lodged in the branches of the trees above, a column of smoke rising from its engine. It's Tommy's plane. Give me a boost up. I'll let you... With a boost from Frydenberg, Dixie scrambled onto the top of the truck and slowly began scaling the tree. Be careful, Miss Dixie. I will be. Remember that we have but one life to live. One life. Faster and faster, Dixie scaled the tree, pulling herself from branch to branch, up the trunk, to the treetops above. Tommy? Finally reaching the canopy, Dixie could see Thomas inside, slumped over and unmoving. No! No! Tommy! Moving as quickly as she could, more quickly than she thought possible, she undid the latch and opened the cockpit of the Thunderbolt, catching Thomas as his limp form nearly fell to the ground. Whoa, whoa, I've got you, Tommy. I've got you. Jarred from the shortfall, stirred by the sound of Dixie's voice, Thomas's eyes opened into a shower of gold. Not the gold of the warm Mexican sun, but the gentle tresses of one Miss Dixie Stenberg. You're alive! Uh, Dixie. One life, he said. One life. One life? You were shot down. I was worried you were dead. I... I... <laughs> that, that corks it. Dixie Stenberg. <laughs> I love you. I... Love you, you preposterous paramour.
This production has starred Renee Christine Jones as Dixie Stenberg. <sighs> Mark Zaracor as Frank McGuff. I wonder when I'm going to find out what I don't know, because Dick's never told me. Sorry, Frank. Well, that's going to be some discussion. I'm as confused as a porcupine in a balloon factory. Steve Anderson as Reginald Billingsley. That is utter nonsense. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, since I'm all confused like, like I was saying. Oh, but I... What I mean is you... Oh, all of this saccharine emotion. Blech! Jeremiah McCoy as Archibald Witherspy. Saccharine? Can he say that? Why couldn't I? Has that even been invented yet? It was invented in 1879, you mental defective. My goodness me. Are you sure? Wikipedia told me so. Can he say that? Pete Milan as Freudenberg. So, now we know. I told you it was coming. This is what you did to me, Mr. Reiterman? I was concerned for her well-being, I asked her not to fly, and this is why I get oomph for the past six months? This is it? This is the dark secret? Well, see, you've had a rough past, as people will come to learn about, and you've lost many who were close to you, so in effect, it's only natural your gut reaction would be- That is enough. It's the punching in the Scott Vinicom is Cornelius Robert Sims Pearson. Love does make us do strange things. Oh? Such as? You don't want to know what I've done for a good rhubarb pie, son. Anthony Piselli as Joey Scalzetti. Pie. Now that's love. You know who makes good pies? Essie. You don't get to call her that, you scallywag. Scallywag? Well, I... I want... I'll get you. Take this, you... Give you... Chris Britton as Thomas Galen. Hey, what about me? Perry Whittle as Benedict Derechenko. Peace and war. War and peace. Imagine a Russian saying war and peace. Well, at least I'm not stereotypical. Hey, Mr. Writer Man. Take that. Alicia Lane Matheson as Lily LaRue. Tommy. Friedemann. Oh, I'm so confused. Yeah. Welcome to the party. It's a regular box social. Melissa Johnson as Daisy LaRue. Sorry? I mentioned your name. My name? Yes, your name. My name's Daisy. Right. Tracy Hall as Violet LaRue. You are right. And so is she. You're both right. Doesn't that make you happy? Please tell me that makes you happy. Sure, why not? Melissa Hearn as Rose LaRue. I bet I could make them happier than you. Everything is not a competition, Rose. Except for when I say it is. Marley Norton as Iris LaRue. Competition makes me happy. It gets old. Who's old? Old makes me happy. Winning makes me happy. Oh, and that makes me happy. Ah, stop it. I could help her stop it. You stop it too. Stop what? Sorry, what's going on? 
Megan Presley as Buttercup LaRue. Are we done with all this bickering and stuff yet? My hair needs froofing, and it's not going to froof itself. Well, I'm not froofing it. I'll help. That's no surprise, but predictability also makes me happy. That was predictable. And that makes me happy. Have I missed something? Where are we? Why are the microphones here? Who are all these people? Catherine Pride as Geist. It's moments like this that remind me why I became a villain in the first place. Justin Dobby as Volker. The long weekend, the dental plan, the 401k, the pleasant company. Because I can't stand all that namdy-pamdy goodness! <laughs> Kristen Bays as the Umket Triplets. You know what's good? And not Mamby Pamby, the captain of the radio. Jerry Crawford as the Dean. Hello, I am the Dean. And yes, it's true. The captain of radio is good and is not Namby Pamby. And I should know, for I am the Dean. Elaine Barrett as the robot. It's true. I do miss the commercials. There, I said it. Amanda Fitzwater as Nebulon 2000. Even I shall admit that the commercials are missed in an ever so infinitesimally minute fashion. And Jeffrey Bridges as the commercial announcer. So, uh, I did as you asked. What do you want, a medal? I want you to take back what you said like you promised. Eh, I'll think about it. Oh, that is it. This is Seth Animal Sure. Stay tuned next time as Brassy Battalion cleans things up. Only at Pendant Audio. Would you please let me finish the show in peace? Fine. You've been listening to a pendant production of the Dixie Stenberg and Brassy Battalion Adventure Theater, brought to you tonight by Umkit Industries' captain of Radio Radio. And remember... Slide away and foolproof, don't you know? That the captain of the radio's the only way to go. Stay safe, America, and... Uh-huh. Good night. This production was written by Jeffrey Bridges. There he is! Get him! Quickly, before he escapes! Oh, you after me? You're the same guy! Beep. <laughs> Jeffrey Bridges, a directed by Seth Adam Shirt. Oh, get in a street, presents. Teach Denverman. Brassy Medallion. Adventure Theater, created by Jeffrey Bridges. Copyright 2009. Budget Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Huh.